Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So today I'm with Alex uh, from Cincinnati and we are going to be talking today about what every company wants. And I mean, every company wants employees and outsiders to view them as a great place to work. How can organizational leaders make this reality? But before we get started, Alex, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Christian, thank you very much for the introduction. And uh, oh, I'm honored to be on your podcast. Uh, as Christian mentioned, my name is Alex Yastrebinetsky. I was actually born and raised in uh, Kharkiv, Ukraine. And at the age of 17, I moved to United States, to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, to study computer engineering. And uh, after receiving my degree, I spent more than 10 years my life working for one of the largest uh, international, privately owned, actually, software companies. And uh, as I told my manager at the time, with really good relationship, he doesn't need to worry about me leaving the company to go to competitor. I'm going to leave when I'm ready to start my own business. And uh, in uh, 2010, I left uh, my job to start InfoTrust and... Uh, I've been running uh, InfoTrust as a CEO and a co-founder ever since. Oh, yeah. So they've had uh, quite a good experience in different areas of business and technology and marketing, all these different things. And what what does actually InfoTrust Infra do? So InfoTrust is a marketing technology company. One important distinction I'd like to make is that we're not an agency. We do not execute marketing campaigns on behalf of people. We only focus on data and data privacy. So if you think about very large organizations that spend millions of dollars on online advertising, uh, they have this money spent on behalf of these companies by big agencies. And so what we do is we help them build measurement systems to collect the data so they can analyze efficiency of their marketing campaigns but at the same time, and especially in this day and age, with privacy finally becoming something that people are take, starting to take more and more serious with GDPR in Europe and uh, 
California Privacy Act and other privacy acts in the states, you have to make sure that in the process of collecting data about your online visitors, you're staying compliant with uh, all sorts of different uh, regulations and and laws in different countries where you website visitors are coming from. And so if you're a big global organization, it becomes quite a challenge because what may work in uh, Germany, for example, and Germany, I believe, has one of the strictest privacy laws, may not work uh, in uh, other countries, uh, in Canada, for example. And so as an organization, as a technology consulting company, uh, we help organizations uh, with customer data governance and building systems and processes for compliant data collection. We also have our own technology platform that we build in-house that audits how uh, customer customer data governance is implemented across all the pages of the site of the website to make sure that your website is not violating uh, privacy laws. So, if you think about our business, summarize: uh, we're helping organizations collect the data, and in that we're one of the uh, largest uh, partners with Google, using Google uh, platform help organizations collect the data, then we help make sure that the data that's being collected is governed according to all the laws and regulations. And then the final step is once you have your data, is data intelligence. What do you do with the data? It's And it's anything from data visualization to big data and cloud and so on. And we help organizations take this data and uh, activate it, if you will. Oh, yeah, that's that's good because it uh, reminds me several, I think it's 17 years ago, I did as well once a certification for data privacy and so on. Uh, because, of course, with what my business has been doing for nearly 10 years, of course, uh, some of the data that we touch uh, is very private. And uh, like one auditor once said, it's like always being with one foot in jail if you don't, if you aren't careful. So, of course, as you mentioned, uh, privacy laws in Germany are very strict. And if you go into certain areas of people's privacy or business privacy, you have to be aware of what you can do, what you can't do. And even if it's stuff like e-discovery, criminal cases, and other kind of stuff, you have to always be very, very careful. And with European laws as well, Canada, as you mentioned, I have all different kind of privacy laws where other things are not allowed that are usually allowed in Europe again. So this is it's incongruence in all different privacy laws around the world that really makes it, I'm sure, for big companies a big uh, headache if they try to get it them, done themselves. And speaking of doing themselves, we we are just uh, before speaking about our key topic about what companies want. They want to get employees and outsiders to view them as a great place to work. And my question to you, Alex, is how can organizational leaders make this a reality? That's a really good question. And I wish I could tell you that I have a perfect bulletproof formula. I really do not. But I'm happy to share what we've learned along the way. And uh, we've definitely seen some very exciting results. Uh, and just kind of to share and put things in perspective, probably some of our big top accomplishments so far as, a, as an organization is that uh, 
in the last five years, while we 10x in size as an organization, uh, our employee churn has been always in maybe fraction of industry stand, industry averages at maybe three four percent a year, while marketing marketing industry averages 20 30 percent their employees leave every year. And uh, as a result of some of the things that I'm about to share with you, we've been able to, our employees, let me put it this way, have recognized us as uh, uh, best place to work uh, nationwide uh, with uh, Fortune Magazine putting us on a list of small and medium-sized, 50 small and medium-sized businesses uh, in 2019, uh, Ad Age being the top publication in the ad space, they recognize us three or four times now as the best places to work. If magazine did, and so on. So certainly, um, we've had some, you know, some pretty good success in that area. And uh, the, re- the way I would describe our success, and it's very interesting because sitting here on uh, in January of 2021. My and looking back at last year, certainly my perspective on what it takes to be a great place to work and what it takes to have great culture is very different uh, with the realities of 2020 behind us and the way I would have answered this question one or two years ago. Because a couple of years ago, I probably would have uh, primarily focused on things like uh, environment and purpose and so on. But especially last year is what helped me realize uh, how we as an organization and culture really starts with the founders of the business. Uh, so how me as the CEO, co-founder of the business can impact the culture. Because for us, for example, last year, the number one priority was what can we do as an organization to, to do, accomplish two things. Make sure that the team feels protected and to make sure that the team has purpose. Because when there's so much fear, when there's so much uncertainty in the outside world and so much stress, because as in demographically speaking, we have fairly younger workforce, but that means that we have a lot of uh, team members with young children. It's just one example, but we all know that working from home with young children, people, a lot of people, while they're fortunate to have a job, but they're really stressed out. And so what can we do, first of all, to make sure that the team feels safe, but then also to, make, to help them deal with the uncertainty and uh, with the stress uh, that it's coming from the kind of outside world. Well, and there are some things that we can and some things that we cannot control. So one of the things, let me, so let's just break this down, what I just said. So the first thing that we did as an organization to make people feel safe, if you will, uh, I believe U.S. went in the lockdown around March 16th of last year. And one of the unfortunate things that happened immediately was that advertising industry, because it's so cyclical, and uh, when marketing budgets start getting cut, 
uh, agencies because they're all larger holding companies. So start letting people go. Uh, a lot of companies started to let people go. And so we did, we made a decision that we're going to announce a no layoff pledge for our employees and um, effective late March of last year for six months, we instituted a no layoff pledge for our employees. So they know that no matter what happens, we're in this together and uh, very transparently, we showed the team that uh, here, here are the things that we're going to do to deal with the financial uncertainty. We were fortunate that we were not in the business that took a 50, 75, 100% hit to the revenues. I mean, I know some friends, entrepreneurs whose businesses were literally shut down. Obviously, when your business is shut down, you cannot pledge your way out of a recession. But when your business, let's say, takes a 10, 20, even 30% hit, I believe it becomes more of a cash flow uh, challenge. But also it becomes about how fast are you willing to run if you want to protect your team and if you want the team to know that there's nothing more important to you as the owner of the company than the team that you've built. And so I feel that that us having this uh, no layoff pledge made a really big difference for the team, especially with all of the crazy. And so if you remember now, we're starting to understand more about the pandemic, but in March, April of last year, it was like operating in the fog. Nobody knows anything, but everybody's freaked out. And obviously, what's the first thing people are going to worry about? Their job. And so being able to kind of take that conversation off the table and promise the team that we're going to be fully transparent with where we are financially, with our financial results, and also with how we're going to deal with the uncertainty, with the financial uncertainty, I feel that that made a big difference for the team. Because, for example, what we told the team is that uh, worst case scenario—not worst case scenario—but if we see revenue hit drop to a certain level, we're going to institute a ten percent uh, pay cut across the board for everybody. And as a matter of fact, I even suggested to the employees that they. Even if we do not need to do that, just in case, proactively, they look at their personal budgets and make sure that they, they're in the position to take a 10% pay cut because that would allow us to uh, save jobs and then we will you know, pay people back as soon, as soon as we can. Fortunately, we never had to do that, but that was one of the, one of the first things that we did. And so... The no layoff pledge uh, was, if you will, the first part of building or supporting the culture and making people feel safe, if you will. But it's not just about safety and survival. Uh, The second step is making sure that the team knows that there's something bigger there is a sense of higher purpose, if you will. We've always done a very good job, especially in the last few years, helping people connect uh, what what we do as an organization with 
what is the outcome? What is the result of our work? Because we are what you can call a purpose-based organization. We donate a significant percentage of our profits to InfoTrust Foundation. We actually have our own foundation. And we do a number of different uh, projects for the community all over the world. And as a matter of fact, we have all of our employees. Uh, we can even set aside resources to support uh, their project. And so while in a typical year, we have 10% of our profitability going to the foundation, we decided that for 2020, we're going to put 25% of our profitability as a company. Obviously, we need to have have profitability as a company, but the 25% of our profitability as a company is going to go into InfoTrust Foundation that and we as a team will decide what we can do. And the reason for that is, I mean, obviously, if we're doing okay, if we're profitable, then it's our responsibility to help those who are not for, as fortunate as we are. But there is also something bigger. There is, I guess, what I would call higher purpose that people need. So let's think about marketing. I mean, what is ultimately purpose of marketing? We're helping big organizations sell more stuff online. That's that's hardly, you know, saving children and uh, like doing higher purpose work. But at the same time, your work doesn't have to be exactly about the outcome of your work. Your work can be about what you get to do with the re- with the resources that you make available, and that your clients, your partners, provide you with as a result of your work. And so. Especially over the last few years, we have reframed the conversation and it has become the cornerstone of our culture is what do we get to do? What do we get to impact as an organization as we're growing, as we're provided with more and more resources from our clients because we're a profitable business? And what do we get to contribute? Uh, Because if you think about it, uh, there has to be a deeper purpose in your business. And we all want to have purpose. We all want to know that the reason we're doing something is not just uh, for a paycheck, but there's a you know, higher meaning, if you will, to our lives, whatever that may mean for different people. And uh, the Info Trust, we've chosen to make our higher purpose to be about contribution. And so that's why we're when we're trying to figure out what is the best way to support the culture in 2020, we decided that we're going to intentionally allocate significant percentage of our profits uh, to to our contribution goals. So not only the team would work really hard to support the jobs, but we wanted the team to focus on what they can control. And you cannot control the virus. You cannot control your fear if you focus on those things. And there is nothing we can do about the availability of vaccine or people getting sick. But what we can control is what we focus on. And if we choose to focus on uh, contribution, if we choose to focus on being grateful for what we're in a position to do, uh, that really changes your perspective 
and how you feel about things. And the example I like to make, there's a wonderful old movie with Bill Murray called The Groundhog Day. And uh, in that movie, he's a very self-centered TV uh, weatherman who gets stuck living the same day over and over and over and over again because he's so self-centered and thinking about his own world. And he doesn't get out of that uh, living the same day until he makes his life about service to others. And once he stopped focusing on himself and he made his life about service to others, he was not only able to get out of the Groundhog Day, but he also... uh, the, the woman who was the love of his life actually loved him back and so on. And um, in a way, 2020 really feels like the Groundhog Day, that it's the same day that look, that you're stuck in over and over and over again. And so our way of driving our culture was to make sure that we as a team do every possible thing, not only to protect the company, but to shift our focus from uh, just survival and thinking about us to what can we do to serve others as an organization. So, Christian, I know I gave you a very long answer, but (laughs) we're definitely in very uh, unprecedented times right now and uh, feel that difficult times call for different different measures, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, all this stuff is so uh, volatile that we experience now. And of course, many organizations are having to cut down people or they're trying to find ways maybe to helping them to find new jobs or maybe to find maybe a new role where they can generate as well again, uh, not only revenue, but um, value for the organization. Like, for instance, somebody who then decides, okay, I always wanted to learn about this and this, and then the the boss says, hey, that's perfect because I think we're going to need this once this whole craziness has passed. And uh, when we're going to do this, we need to have people who've got the skills. So this person is willing, obviously, to learn something new and he is willing to invest his time, something that is not standard. Many people are not willing to learn new stuff uh, because it's painful. It's it's energy, time-consuming, and sometimes it can be maybe boring, challenging, whatever. And if they decide, okay, I want to do this maybe the next person as well decides hey that's a great culture to be working here because i'm being supported with my idea what i really want to do and at the same time everything is then less stressful because people are much happier and willing to actually enjoy time what uh, they're happening and uh, doing with others so um yeah as you mentioned as well culture is so important purpose is important that the people know what they're doing it's not like 50, 40, 60, 70 years ago where maybe purpose wasn't so important. There were other things that people had to cope with. But today's generations, they have a different approach. We have, have of course, much technology. We've got a lot of news and media where you don't know what to listen, what to read, and so on. So it's an important thing to, especially now, when people are not sure how things are going, Kids as well sometimes misbehaving, going nuts, unsure. Are they going to see again their friends? Uh, Children have, of course, a different kind of, uh, let's say, psychological approach to things. 
that we're experiencing now. So we as parents and as we as employers sometimes have to help as well our employees somehow to cope with the situation and sometimes even maybe making a simple suggestion, being like a friend that you can exchange with some ideas and, and they have the chance to uh, have somebody to talk with because eventually everybody starts cocooning themselves as well and nobody can meet with something else. And in reality, humans need kind of human communication. Otherwise, there's no culture. You can't do everything online. That's the thing. We're still humans. I didn't. <laughs> we have to somehow yeah. do it at the moment a bit safer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Alex, it was great having you here on the show. Very interesting to find out what one can do as an organizational leader in order to get people, not only our employees, but as well outsiders, to see that it's a great thing to be in our organization, to work for us, and so on. And If people actually want to somehow solve this problem for themselves as well, how can they get in contact with you in order to maybe get help? You, you, you've got so many insights about data and data privacy and all different other activities, marketing and how to get these things done. How can they actually get in touch with you? I mean, the easiest would probably be via LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I'm very active on LinkedIn as a platform. Our website as a as a company is infotrust.com. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, for those who are very interested in uh, analytics and data privacy, we actually published a book last year called Crowbar Cron. And we're very excited that within the first couple of days, it became a number one bestseller in a number of Amazon categories. And wow. this book is specifically... It's written it's not, it's a little bit technical but it's primarily written for business user to understand the steps that's why it's called crawl walk run the steps that the organization needs to go through to understand on one hand how to be compliant with the privacy regulations while at the same time maximize what they can do with the data without breaking any laws And so this book is available on Amazon in a number of countries. Mm -hmm. And I would love this feedback and comments on the book. We're actually working on a second book now specifically on data privacy because it's such mm -hmm. a big topic right now. And this book will be out probably at the end of this year. Well, that's good. So you've got plenty of stuff to focus on. And besides that as well, you've got your trust. I think that invests as well um, the funds into helping hospitals and other activities. Am I right? Yes, we do. So as I mentioned, so we have a foundation. And uh, for example, last year we have uh, done a number of very exciting projects starting with Some international projects in the Philippines, in uh, Uganda, in India, Sri Lanka, and mm -hmm. so on, and uh, a number of projects in um, in the United States uh, with a number of children's hospitals. Unfortunately, it's all virtual. Typically, when we do our projects, we get to meet people, we get to interact with families. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, it doesn't feel as personal unfortunately but at the same time it's we it's still important work that needs to be done and hopefully we'll get to meet some of the people we've been fortunate enough to help but you can also find more information about this on uh, infotrust.foundation website 
Oh, yeah, that's good. Great. So it was great having you. Um, thank you very much for all your explanation, all these different uh, strategies and items that you can do for culture and purpose and to get everybody um, to stay on board and to weather through the unpleasant weather that's still that we are all in until the days when we can again meet up like in old days and enjoy a good barbecue and other kind of activities. That sounds wonderful. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com. That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAPBarge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel.